what's the what's the largest amount of money that you've lost gambling? Hmm. Cat doesn't listen to the show. At one time or life. Okay. Yeah. At, 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 I'd say at one in one sitting. In one sitting. Not in one hand. Yeah. Rather, you know, but just like he maybe just thinks just keep keep hitting you. Wave after just don't wave. Go your way you're sitting at the blackjack table and you're 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 starting. You're like, I can't believe this. This can't yeah. this can't be I, happening. We were on a particular heater in Biloxi, I think, one time. <laughs> And all of us were winning. We were having a great time. The dealer was telling the stories about how he went to the high school that Brett Favre threw at. And I had, I was on a personal little six or seven game win streak. So I was like, you know, we're at the uh, we're at the five dollar table. I've won having some drinks. I've won about six games here. That uh, yeah. you know, that's 30, 30 bucks. It's big money. Mm-hmm. I think I could put a fifty down right now and yeah. put down. <laughs> Put down fifty chips, and I got a. Um, I think Seven. I yeah no I did I did I got <laughs> no I no I got a nineteen I got a nineteen. And you're feeling good. I was feeling, feeling really good. I I got a nineteen. Like, I'm about to make a lot of money here. And I went. <laughs> and I went ahead. I'm your I, internal monologue today. I said I said <clears throat> I'm feeling really good about this, but just to ensure you know just to put a little insurance down on the karma gods, I gave I gave the dealer a tip. I said, "Here you go. This is this is for the uh, ten you're about to deal yourself and bust." You kiss? Did you kiss it? You go. You kiss a little chip, <laughs> slid it there over to him. When you're he, in your head, you're like, "Next it? time I go to Chipotle, I'm gonna get guac." No, no. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm he, gonna live it up. He didn't bust. He got a twenty. And what's worse is Mark was next to us, and I believe he split on like seven. Yeah, split on. I sevens. remember this. Yeah, he split on sevens, that and then an he ended up hitting. On both of his hands, and I'm I was out like fifty bucks, so that was uh that was my that was the most money I had, I had lost. I'm I'm not a high stakes gambler though, so that's like, pretty rough. But but for even as as much as you suffered in that moment, Gear, and I think you can look at look at the entire casino if you're out on the floor, yeah. you're looking at all the flashing lights, you're gonna see a lot of depressed faces. But then there's there's sort of this cavernous area that like it's it's not it's further past the the penny slots right past yeah. the uh the ghouls sitting in front of, in front of the um you know the family guy slot machine you'll you'll see this cavernous area that's still thick with smoke you're not legally allowed to smoke inside these places anymore but they don't <laughs> not even they are willing to go into this uh this area of old leather armchairs mm-hmm. and like people bent over looking at like lit up screens of horses running and you can just see pieces yeah. of paper in their hands and they're feverishly scribbling stuff down. Yeah. The sports betting scene Ooh. is truly something else to yeah. behold. <laughs> uh, got it all figured out. Most accurately mm-hmm. detailed in Adam Sandler's newest and and probably I guess best <laughs> uncut gems. It's so good. It's so good. And and today folks, we have got a taste of that life, and we're here to talk about it today with you. But first off, uh, welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at some of the more weird, some of the more bizarre games out there, and we break them down, we see what makes them work, what makes them not work, and we talk about them with you guys. I am Thomas Youngerberg, your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, and with me here as always is... Garrett Lively. Surprisingly, I'm surprised I'm the only one here that hasn't been to a, a horse racing track, so I'm 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 sad to say. I, I, I have not been either. Oh, you I have been? Okay. Been. My, my friends have been. But got, I, I live close here. to one. 
So, you know, you've, you've been to in one. between lunch breaks. But also, not surprisingly, I am the only one that has not had a mint julep. So uh, that is less surprising. You're but... missing out. You're missing out. We'll get you a virgin mint julep. <laughs> little, I don't know. Little crushed ice and crushed ice. I'll just, yeah, put some mint and some water. Some mint water. Pretty good. Mint water and throw it in there for you. Sip it on sugar. down. Yeah, it'll be all right. That's all you need. Uh, but, but yeah, so we're, we're playing a, uh, we're playing a horse racing game and I'm sure that a lot of people, maybe if you haven't played many, many board games, you're like a horse racing game. Yeah. Well, how, how do you, how do you possibly take horse racing and put it into board game format? I think they probably have, it, have other questions too. Like who is our third or, or, mysterious host? That it's we, just a oh, voice yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can bring him up. He's, he's the long shot. He's coming up in last. He's. But slow and steady wins the race. I, you can't forget about him. He's crossing the finish line now. It's uh, Jeff Lee. I think um, the dumbest game I've ever played at a casino was uh, I put, I think I went to this table. I was like, I'm losing everything else. I might as well try my hand down. Try my hand at this. I put a hundred bucks down. I played war with, <laughs> with, uh, with the dealer and, if you guys remember the game of war as a kid, it moves you can really. really do this. It, it, there was a there's a version of war that you can play, and um, if you remember the version of war when you played as a kid, it moves really fast, and every bet was like five bucks. So I have never lost money faster in my entire life. <laughs> I played, I played like I put a couple hundred bucks down on craps before. I've done right. sports betting before. Mm-hmm. I, I've. I've never lost so much money so fast in playing war. <laughs> and they were just collecting. They're like, you're playing another hand? It's like, and you're like, oh, I've, I've got to win something. And right. you just keep There's playing. There's no way I can I can be playing a game there this are quickly some games, and lose Look, I think times. now that I've kind of lost enough money in the casinos to know, there are some games <laughs> that you get a little bit of entertainment value out of by how long the game lasts. I think yeah. craps, you can spend money and it can right. last some time. Depending on your bankroll, you can do the same thing at blackjack. But I think sports betting is great. You get a lot of entertainment out of it. Even if you lose, you lose. But that was the worst because there was no entertainment in between losing. I was right. literally printing money, <laughs> like just giving, handing it over to the dealer. It did not feel good. Don't just ever play handing war. out stimulus packages. Don't to ever your, play uh, war. Your local uh, Harrah's. <laughs> I, I had a similar experience. I think I was like waiting. The worst is when you're like waiting for somebody, mm-hmm. right? I was waiting for bored. my mom or dad or something <laughs> like that, and I was standing in the middle of the casino, and you know they were they were in the middle of something. I can't remember what it was, but I was just like, yeah, there's a table over here. I'll play, you know, a couple of hands of blackjack. Wouldn't it be wild? You know, I win a couple of hands, and then you know that'll be great. I I played three hands of blackjack, and I was out like sixty dollars. No, <laughs> I was like, oh. well, and I was just yeah. like. I didn't even get any entertainment out of that. This, it <laughs> yeah, boggles over. my mind. It's over. It's over. I was just like, I, I, I mean, I had more money. I could bet more, but I was just like, I don't know. I just felt like I was slapped in the face. You see, uh, you know. <laughs> I think uh, my mentality now is that you take you take the money that you want to gamble with, and you say, if I were to spend money on a roller coaster, the wildest <laughs> roller coaster, for I however long, with a crash. How much money would I want to spend on that roller coaster? Mm-hmm. and uh what i regret at the end i think that's the way i consider it. if i go to vegas and i bring a couple hundred bucks for a weekend and mm-hmm. i lose that money okay whatever but if i'm if i'm going there and thinking oh after this roller coaster i'm gonna need to be on food stamps and then maybe i'm bringing a little bit too much money to ride this roller coaster that's the way I, that's the way i look at gambling now now y'all know my philosophy and it it 
I've said it before on the show. You go to craps and you play against the table. You play against everybody else. That way, you're guaranteed some entertainment value. Either either they get to see you lose, or you get to see them lose, and you're going against the table. And one side is cheering while the other side is booing. It's great. It's like it's like a Florida Georgia game or a Texas OU game or, or you know any any big sports rivalry. You're just in this little little oval. Everybody's next yeah. to like each being other. The heel. And somebody's somebody's winning and somebody's losing. That's I think I, I was the heel at every single one of those sports games that we watched when we were in like high school and college yeah. when we got together and we saw that Georgia Georgia Tech game because I didn't I didn't go to either of those schools. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I had I had nothing like, to lose. Uh, you guys suck uh, and you yeah. guys suck. But so so we're 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 talking more on uh, horse horse racing horse yep. racing games and uh, horse bets mm-hmm. horse bet that's what the they call it right horse bets horse betting yeah horse racing horse bets yeah horse racing horse gambling. and uh, you're you're probably wondering like we were how do you possibly turn something like this into a board game this sounds like one of those made up like subjects that we were doing we were making fun of for like euro games the other week yeah. we were like oh it's iceberg lettuce farming yeah. or something like that <laughs> you're gonna take horse racing oh no salmonella into a board game um and it might be tempting to just say, okay, well, it might. Maybe you're thinking, well, obviously they got to move around the track, so it might look like just your standard movement game where it's sort of like Candyland, and you're just trying to race around the track or be the first to get to a certain spot. Uh, I was actually very quite impressed with the uh, with all the different mechanics that are sort of lending itself to uh, this game and mm-hmm. diversifying the ways that you can win and all the moving parts <clears throat> this has in it. It's really intimidating at first. Um, so Garrett, what, what is the name of this game? You know, I think I've, uh, pushed that off long enough. Sure. So today we're playing high roller horse racing, a high stakes mm-hmm. board game. Um, and this is, as you said, a, a horse racing game that takes place on a nice horse track. And you're gonna, basically it's, it's a, it's a gambling game with a little bit, yeah, a lot of gambling games takes the, uh, the control out of your hand. They, they try to give this a more, uh, gamer you know the the modern day gamer feel where they they give a little bit of control to the players so you are gambling but also you do get to make some decisions that impact the outcome of the of the race Uh, so um you're you're kind of you you know hedging your bets between being the gambler and also being the jockey so you you get to you get to take on you get to wear two hats as it were two derby you get to wear a derby hat and i guess a, a derby helmet as yeah and joining in the fun on both sides Mm-hmm. I think I think most people call that, um, what what is it? What is the illegal uh, tampering? I guess, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, not here. This is this is just uh, a little high roller horse race. And they're just making it more realistic for you. Uh, if, if if you are going to put money on it, you you de- definitely want to have a little bit of control on the end result. Oh yeah, I think what's really interesting is the topic. So uh, like, if you think about any other game, like casino or gambling game. You wouldn't make a game about it because it's like making a game about a game. Like you wouldn't make a game about craps because that's just craps, right? Right. right. Um, but this is kind of weird because it also involves, in, in some ways, a sport where, like, we've played games on the show before around football and, but like, I think horse racing is kind of that in between where it's already half gambling game and half sport, and right. I don't think there's anything else quite like it. Um, like, there's obviously gambling and football, like a ton of gambling, but. People see it as either pure sport or they see it purely for the gambling purpose or whatever. But this is kind of one of those things that when most people think about horse racing, they think about kind of the mixture of the two. So I think it's weird. I don't know if there's any other game that can be kind of similar to this where it's like, you know, you think about it thematically as like a casino activity. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got it got made into a board game. Like, I don't. Yeah, I I was just kind of thinking about that. Like, there's no other. I don't. I can't think of any other examples. Like, you wouldn't play a game that your Kino, simu- the board game. Yeah, like or like <laughs> slots, the board game. Like, why would you play that? Right. So yeah, just kind of kind of interesting. But like to Garrett's point, I think it does expand upon some of the other parts that you don't normally see, even when you're gambling at a horse race track or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that uh, the the creator of this game did a really good job of trying to incorporate because I think it would be a very easy trap to fall into mm-hmm. as far as focusing on a specific to to only focus on one specific side of it like you are the owner of the horse and that's your position or you're the jockey of who's riding the horse and that's your position or you are a person betting on the horse and that's your position yeah like there's mm-hmm. there's three separate facets that you can sort of approach this with and the person who designed this game did a really good job of incorporating all three of those uh those unique factors that have to do with horse racing and horse betting uh, I'm going to keep using that just because I don't know why. Horse betting just sounds very... <laughs> I'm horse betting today, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, equestrian so, risk management, I think. Is equestrian, the <laughs> equestrian risk management. Uh, he, he incorporates all three all three sides of that. And I think that was a really a difficult thing to sort of man- manage. And it here's the main drawback. It's a difficult thing to manage, and it also looks difficult. <laughs> it, it, I, I would say that that is very fair for me to observe, is that it also looks difficult, because yeah. to, to, to give sort of a, a nod to what's to come, when you pop open this box, so to speak, uh-huh. there's a lot there's a lot of, of words and charts and uh, certificates and <laughs> all, all, all sorts of goodies inside of here. So if you don't like to read... This could, I I said out loud as we were going over the rules. I was like, "This is th- this seems like it's going to be awful." Yeah, like, you said we'll this, just play a couple rounds and, on. and, and, and figure it. out the <laughs> how, who's most likely to win, and then we'll just go from there. Which which right. we didn't do. We ended up playing out the whole game. But, yeah, yeah. You you, you saw it. And I, I think it is something that you were just like, "No, it's too much. It's I we're not going to finish this game. This is not a fifteen minute game as it as advertised." Right. I think we should talk about the designer of the game. I don't know if we've touched on that on this episode yet, right? Um, yeah, go ahead. But, you know, so far, so, you know, this person, his name is Scott Humans. He um, designed this game and it kickstarted it this year. Um, and, I, you know, looking at this profile, he's actually from Reno, Nevada. So is that, I don't think that's very surprising to anybody now that <laughs> we played this horse racing game. But, right. Um, but yeah, I think he, he's come up with two, two games on Kickstarter. Unfortunately, High Roller Horse Racing didn't fund uh, on Kickstarter. Obviously, it's not super easy to fund on Kickstarter. Um, we've been How there. How much did it get you? Was it 4000 It was 4000 about 4500 and he had a 12000 goal. Um, and it fun, and he, he ran that campaign this year right at the start of COVID. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But I think it's just interesting. We usually talk about, you know, where the, the game publishers and designers are from. Um, and I wonder if, like, you know, this person lives in Reno, sees sports betting a lot, thinks a lot of his friends are into it, and thinks, oh, maybe the rest of the world might be interested in this topic. I'll make a game out of it. And then realize that the broader internet maybe doesn't care about <laughs> horse racing. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's I, definitely I, a I niche I don't think it's that place. the broader internet doesn't care. I feel like if Jamie... If Jamie you know, Mr. S, uh, is it Stegmeier? Stegmeier, yeah. If Jamie Stegmeier made this game, it would sell. Probably. It would sell. The guy made a game about uh, wineries, 
right? Yeah. Like there, mm-hmm. there, there is no vineyards. Yeah, there's there's no extent to the subject matter that I think that one is capable of making a game about. Right. I think I think it's your first point, Jeff. I think this game he launched funding at the wrong time at the very beginning of the pandemic when people were out buying toilet paper and they're they're sinking they're they're doing this nice little transaction where they're taking their life savings and they're they're turning it into a, a compostable toilet tissue <laughs> and that's a it's a really good transition of funds there uh so most people are probably freaking out about that and about the lockdowns at that point so it's coming out at the wrong time and also it sounds like sound like if you look at the kickstarter page and you look at my earlier comments as far as like how imposing the game looks versus how it actually plays i think you'll find maybe some other critiques there that we can launch into a little bit later yeah. but i think it might be a good time to actually well Garrett, real, yeah. before you say that tom i know you're about to say uh briefly i just did want to say that he, he this is the second game he has designed so this was his second go at it he d- developed a little card game called age of war um mm-hmm. back in 2014 um, so he, he had some experience designing games, um, but he wanted to kind of break into something that I, I self-admittedly was more viable and more attractive to to gamers, but also able to get get in, you know, the family and and get those. Good yeah, like I I agree with you, Tom. That you can the argument is that Jamie could make a game, but Jamie is Jamie, and he obviously has a history of successfully producing games that are fun to play. Whereas, like if you're coming into the scene. Just like we were uh, with our first game, you know, it would have been really tough for us to come up with a game about making coffee or something, you know, like something really strange right. and abstract. So I think that there, it's not the only thing, obviously, that's hindering him from hindering this game from broader market success. But I think it definitely doesn't help get people in the door. You know, I think the problem is, I, I think, let, let me flip it the other way. When people looked at All Rise, the hope was that they, they saw a game on the surface that seemed fun family friendly uh like a quick party game and then they kind of dig into it later but to garrett's point like you look at it and the first things that you see are this board like a bunch of horse pieces and some fake money and like these crazy tables and nothing nothing screams fun like (laughs) looking up tables and charts right so worse than like a second edition D &D character creation yeah and then like i guess to to the point about um Age of War, which is his first game, he says here in, which is really strange, I, this guy's pretty self-aware, I guess, but says in the About section in his Kickstarter. On the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm, yeah, like, I, it, reviewers like the war-based game, but I stopped marketing it due to slow sales and other demands of my time. So he, he didn't, it seems like it kind of kind of tapered off of the marketing part of his first game, and it seemed like he did it again. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say that he didn't really learn his lesson, but that's just kind of where we're at with, I think, High Road right. Horse game. Horse racing game. Well, I think it might be a good a good time to, to take a look at the box and see what mechanics are sort of there that maybe are... Maybe he doesn't really necessarily know how to approach his own mechanics as far as a marketing standpoint goes. But I think, Garrett, it's time. Don't cut okay. me off this time. Open the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Open go. up High Roller Horse Racing. You're going to find yourself a nice track. Uh, a, a horse racing track, as it were. It is uh, four four lanes wide. It uh, goes around. It's got a midpoint. It's got a finish line. I, I I know all about horse racing, as you can tell, but it is it is <laughs> pretty simple. It looks like a horse racing track to me. Looks uh, like a ring. 
you've got a you've got various horse deeds of the eight different horses that are featured in the game. Among them, some crowd favorites like Secretariat, American Pharaoh, and uh, who, who's the uh, oh, man, man of fa- When you say crowd favorites, you mean actual crowd actual favorites. crowd favorites. The the triple crown winners, as it were, uh, in many cases, and and many many historically. Uh, significant horses, horses. Yeah. yeah, and significant horses. So um, these are actual actual horses that that competed in, in many different horse races across across the span of the the of a the century. Illustrious horses, history, yeah, yeah, and from the 1920s, and there's like a 2004 horse in there. Mm-hmm. So it's like this guy definitely has research. a lot of the the minutia, you know, and yeah. he's put stuff in there that's going to actually appeal to right. people who care about horse racing. Side right? note here: Do you guys know how horses are named? No, I don't. By their owners? Um, it, if I recall, it's a mix of the stable, like what stable is uh, like owns all the horses, uh, uh-huh. and then also I think by like lineage. So it's like a combination of the two. It's pretty uh-huh. pretty interesting. That's why you'll I think you'll see some horses that have like similar names to some of the other horses that were interesting. parents or interesting siblings or whatever. Well. Like I said, a lot of interestingly named horses here. We've got the Seattle Slews and Yada Secretariat Citation, Dr. Fager, and Native Dancer, among the other three famous, more famous horses I just mentioned. Uh, you're going to have a stack of fake play money. Uh, I don't know why I need to say fake there. It is the, the play money, the play money that you're going to have in the game, and real hundred dollar bills. In yeah, the- five, five hundred and one hundred. No wonder it took him. Yeah, no wonder he lost money in the game. Uh, you've got some, a couple different types of chips. You have reroll chips, which you can use to reroll die, and you have some patience chips, which you can use strategically to reserve your movement points throughout the game. Um, and then you have the aforementioned two dice. You're going to have one. One white die and one green die. They're going to represent two different value uh, movement values that we'll get into here in just a second. And then on top of all that, you have a payout table, which is I think probably in like eight point, maybe six point font. It's uh, it's really small. You've got a payout table for owners. You got a payout table for betters. You got a tote board for placing your bets. You have certificate titles listing horse stats that you're going to be following throughout. You have a eight tip sheets that you're going to hand to each player that is also a straight block of text there is not a single <laughs> double space line to be had in that entire document and as well as the rules document to go on top of that and that right there as we were kind of alluding to is i think where people start to get like, like um, blazed over it's <laughs> when they uh reach into the craps table and they take their bet out after they see the initial dice roll they're like um, i don't really know what's yeah going on i don't <laughs> right i think i'm gonna have to I I want to say like you know when it comes to designing a board game like even you just look at the team here at RDG and we have some very different personas and how we approach making games and I think some people are ideas people some people get their nose in the details some people are marketing people um, I think this is a case where Scott was someone who's really into like he should just be a game designer um, yeah. and then somebody right. else should deal with the rules and the marketing because. Like the, what's in the box within the, this is, I will say this is probably one of the better uh, like components that I've seen in any game. Like the components are really nice that, um, that we on un- unroll them. Unroll them. Not not, <laughs> not at all. We haven't obviously right. looked at some really good games, but um, <laughs> <laughs> unroll and move. Yeah, like I, I think like it, you know I I I was telling 
Garrett and Tom that looking at the Kickstarter prices, I'm surprised that he would be able to turn much of a profit at all from what he was providing in the game. Because he provides like ceramic chips, he provides these little racing poles, he provides, you know, these blocks um, that represent yeah, the horses. Yeah, they're like hor- they're all, they're they're not meeples, but they're little block wooden block horses with the right. The yeah, colored. it's like heavy heavy little mm-hmm. pieces of wood with paint on. Is are they? I can't tell if they're painted or if they have stickers. I think it's uh, yeah, either stickers or um, I think maybe stickers. I, I think they're screen printed. printed. Maybe screen printed. Yeah, I mean, but they're mm-hmm. nice. I mean, the, the it looks like a high quality, well put together game. Um, especially, you know, and, and seeing as that's probably just the prototype, it's probably going to be even better. And I was just really surprised about how well this looked. And not only that, but we obviously played the tabletop version and the tabletop version, I think was also made by Scott. And the, that was one of the better TTS games put together <laughs> as well. Like it had a lot of good TTS mm-hmm. components in it. Like it's got a dice cannon in it. It's got, um, kind of a leaderboard hanging over, the table itself. So I think there's a lot of good in what Scott does. He obviously enjoys making sure that the mechanics of the game or the details work well. But I think where he falls short is explaining the game to people in a simple manner and then being able to pitch and sell the game. I think we don't typically talk about that in our reviews, but I think this is kind of important for this game in particular because it was a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and because our initial, I guess, guttural reaction was around the rule book and not necessarily the gameplay itself. Well, well. Speaking of the rule book, let's let's talk about that so the the listener knows kind of how this game plays out, and we can kind of further analyze why this game mm-hmm. was or right. was not uh, performing the way it did on Kickstarter. So, as I said, you take on the role of the owners of the horses, the betters on those horses, and also the jockeys of those horses. Once again, um, mm-hmm. so the game is kind of split up into three rounds. I guess is is the fairest way to say it. Uh, three di- very distinct phases of the game. The very first phase of the game, you're going to shuffle up the eight titles of the eight horses that are going to be represented, and you're going to have an open auction on each of the eight horses. Um, And each player can buy as many horses as they have the money to. Those titles for the horses have a minimum bid price listed, as well as the odds of that horse winning the race. And I would be interested to see how accurate those odds are. I assume, yeah. based on the other stuff I have seen in his tables here, pretty accurate. Some um, but of them basically, are like one in four. Some of them are like mm-hmm. like like what one in exactly. One in so the the horses are in three different tiers. You have the favorites, which are Man of War and Secretariat, which have four to one odds. You have the stalwarts, uh, which have six to one odds, and then you have the long shots, which are eight to one odds. And the way the way the uh, owner the owners get paid out if your horse. Um, wins, places, or shows, depending on uh, the the breed or the the tier of horse that wins, um, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later. Uh, after the after all the horses have been bought, you go into the betting phase, and where each player takes turn betting on any horse they like, whether they own them or not. So this is where it kind of gets interesting. You can bet on your own horses, kind of double down. You can bet on the favorites if, if you feel like they have a distinct advantage. Um, or you can take the long shots. It, it has an interesting mechanic where only two people can bet on a single horse. Um, and the way the turn order kind of lays out is you, you go based on how they are, their pole position on the track. And so if I have two horses and, and uh, in court in consecutive positions, I get to place two bets in a row and I can kind of lock somebody out either of the favorites or, or of, you know, a stalwart or something like that. Um, so some interesting dynamics with the betting. And I, I think that would be really interesting in, in a higher player count game. 
And then uh, after you place all your bets, we have the actual horse race. And if you're the owner of a horse, you also act as the jockey of the horse. And it's super simple rules. You can either roll a white die or a green die and get plus one to whatever your movement value is. The, the catch with the green die is if you ever roll a one on the green die, your horse is immediately disqualified and you, the owner of the horse, <laughs> pay $400 for, for uh, Breaking shame, the rules. Yeah. shamefully displaying uh, this cheater in, in such a prestigious race. Yeah. Um, and then additionally, there's some, some slight variations to what each horse can do. Some horses come with reroll tokens, uh, and you can spend those throughout the course of the race. And then some horses have a stat called patience. And if you're ever blocked in a lane and you can't move, you can choose to save that, those points of movements for a later round. Um, and then the race is split up into two halves. You have the first half, which is going to be your horse's speed stat. And that gives you a, a modifier to add your white or your green die accordingly. And then you have the stamina stat, which is the second half of the race, um, which, you know, you, you see horses that sprint out to the lead and then the horses that can hold on. They're long, more long-distance runs. That's why you have different different mileages and different lengths of horse races. Um, and so you once you get past the midway point of the race, you switch over to the stamina stat. Um, so it's very, very interesting. A lot of stats to kind of throw around there. And you have these, huge, like I said, huge stat tables, which are actually, yeah. you know, once you know what you're looking at, super simple to read and super, super simple to play. Right. But it's it's the original just eyeball test of like, oh, my God, there are so many numbers that yeah. I'm yeah. looking at here. I don't there's know so many numbers and there's not a lot of space between them. Yep. I want to run away. Exactly. <laughs> And then the only thing left to say is the winner is whoever has the most money at the end of the game based on the bets that you made, the owner payout that you get if you have the winning horse, and how much money you left in the bank at the beginning of the game. Yeah, so you're playing multiple roles. And I think like one thing that I think thematically is correct but really hurt the game is I think the rulebook was based on the actual racing programs that you get when you go to the racetracks. And, oh, really? and they are usually pretty packed in. Um, <laughs> they they'll tell you like all this, like what race, what races have which horses, because there'll be multiple races throughout the day. Sure. They'll give you some explanation on the horses, their previous history, sometimes their lineage. Like there's a bunch of BS in there that people don't really care about. Um, but it is usually like this kind of black and white newsletter looking page that isn't super interesting. And I want to say that sometimes you do see these tables in there for payouts. Um, just so that you kind of get an idea of the payouts right. are actually uh, rolling, so or, or they're mo they're moving targets. So you, we see four to one, six to one odds or whatever here on the screen, but those actually change depending on who bets what. Like the line moves just like it does with right. Vegas. How many people bet, and also how many it, the owner payouts are are based on how many each, the <clears throat> collective group. That's right. For yep. horses. Yeah, that's right. I, so. I, I I have a question. I was thinking about that, Garrett. So at the beginning of the game, you have to buy your horses. Mm -hmm. Then you bet on your horses. Then you race the horses, right? Mm -hmm. You start the game with 5000 Right. If you had a player who said, actually, I'm not going to purchase any horses. I'm going to only bet on horses. Sure. Do you think that's a viable strategy? Or you had a person who just refused to bet and hung on to their 50000 towards the very end? I don't think it uh, works think because you have to... If you, I think you can only place bets... Because I was only allowed to place two bets um, because yeah. I had two horses. You can place as many bets as horses you have in the race. Oh. So that's an interesting me mechanic. Though, if you say only buy the cheapest horses, um, yeah. certainly... You're certainly basically you buying... Could, you, could, you could 
buy into the better better phase more yeah exactly mm-hmm. and that actually doesn't do. seem to be that bad of a strategy but the problem is well pole placement is um is random so it's not mm-hmm. like you know if you for example i'll give everyone at home so one of the horses i had was called native dancer and it had eight to one odds which was one, like the worst odds that you can get but um they were like somewhere in the middle of the pack when it came to uh, being placed at the starting line because they were randomly drawn so it's not like I could try to buy the cheaper horses so I can put more money towards betting more. Um, but as Garrett said, you're basically buying a position to bet. Um, so it is weird. Like I think it's interesting because a lot of the things do intertwine with one another, a lot of the game mechanics. Um, and I, I thought earlier on that, oh, by spending less money up front, um, by buying horses, I was able to make more bets or make um, larger amount, uh, like larger bets but i wasn't able to do that the bets are standardized so so i one small clarification i was just checking the rules on this you once you get so like once you go horse number eight up to horse number one you place those bets you go back to horse number eight if you want to continue betting mm, okay. so you could potentially fill in the entire better chart we we were out of money except for you jeff i think yeah <laughs> so, i saw money so, right yeah so so you could have placed some more bets potentially yeah okay um, got it in got that it. scenario yeah so yes that that could you could buy just one horse tom and and rely on a heavier betting strategy yeah the bad thing about buying one horse is that you don't get as many betting positions too it's it's cool that there's so many balances checks and balances Mm -hmm. for a lot of the different like potential strategies that are like out there it's it's really and and speaking of like that sort of cost benefit analysis of like you're really taking your risk if you only buy one horse you know you you really got to get lucky the cost benefit analysis for like the green die i think is really one of the just the perfect we oh, had so was we were playing this game right we all buy our horses we have our we have our long shots we make our bets and as we're racing we are really leaning into that dangerous green die that lets your <laughs> your horse move a little bit extra just because we really wanted to win we wound up over the course and it's not shocking i'm sure if you looked at the math it's like well what did you expect to happen yeah. uh like we 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 were rolling this green die and we first right out of the gate jeff's native dancer horse got a one disqualified immediately gone i was like okay not bad that was already a long shot horse but then two turns later (laughs) another disqualification garrett's garrett's horse which is way in first place like 10 paces in first place Way ahead of everybody else. His stamina sucked. I had to get him out to a huge lead or else he, he was done. He had like minus two on the stamina stats. Yeah. So I, was, I, I was riding him. Mm-hmm. Riding I'm him glad. in the early, too hard. early half. Yeah. I do think it's interesting because I feel like it, like you were saying, um, for the listeners at home, they the dice values get modified depending on if you're on the first or second half of the race. Right. So what you notice is the players or the jockeys, which are us, making different decisions on which dice we wanted to roll depending on how you anticipated the, the horse to behave so like garrett was saying he had a horse that was great in the first half really bad actually had negative values negative modifiers in the second half so garrett's trying to race out to an early lead so he's taking his chances rolling this green die but the more he rolls a green die he could roll a one which disqualifies the horse which is what happened so i think it's really interesting that there is this strategy around um, some horses I want to ride really hard in the early half. Some horses I want to take it easy. And once I get to that second half, then I'll start to speed up. Right. Some horses I'm more stable throughout. So I think it's just kind of weird um, yeah. or just interesting, all the variants in, um, in what you can do with your different horses. They each feel I like al- a different, unique horse. 
I thought that the patience mechanic was really interesting too, because one of the things that you can do is your horse, some of the horses have special abilities because, uh, especially with some of the more top tier horses, mm-hmm. um, and other horses have the ability to store, uh, movement points, right? Let's say that you rolled a five and you come up behind another horse and there's nothing that you can do with that extra movement point that you have you can store it as patience because some horses are a little bit more patient than other horses and so you can store that movement point for later um which added like a really nice like a really nice decision making factor for players Mm -hmm. because they could choose when to you know do they want to keep points for now or save points for later or save up to to be able to spend an extra two points to suddenly change lanes at, at you know a later point in time it is a uh, there's there's a lot of decisions that you're making even in the in in a in a place where it would have been so tempting to just let the dice roll roll a move right, right? to just roll a move there's all these little tiny decisions and little intricacies that keep mm-hmm. things interesting yeah. in addition to the threat of rolling that one and the yeah. risk management yeah. that you have there it's it's a really it's probably I think that's my favorite part of the, the the game is just the the back half of it and it does go quick. Yeah. yeah. It goes quick too. I think like all also the fact that there's all these mechanics and they seem to all work with one another and there nothing really breaks is like really impressive. And again, like mm-hmm. I said, I give a lot of kudos to the designer and that they figured out all these different things that could work with one another um and you know there's no you know the three of us have played a lot of games at this point. We realize where you can kind of abuse games. I don't feel like there's one particular area of the game that you can really abuse. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was the reroll tokens. So some horses, usually the lower tier horses, got reroll tokens. Um, so, but they were you can reroll um, if you didn't roll a green one one die, you can reroll it at a certain point. So you had horses that were cheaper that you could you know take your chance and roll again for other things. And I feel like it gave it a lot of balance because. Uh, the, the higher tier horses are way more expensive. They get you know really good modifiers. So on average, you're probably doing better. But you might get lucky with the lower tier horse and roll really well um, mm. and keep rolling. And I think that happened a few times. Like I think, Garrett, you had it rolled a one, um, one white die, and then you re-rolled it and it got a six. And so yeah. obviously it changes uh, the outcome of that race oh, pretty yeah. handily. Yeah. Um, and again, like some of the higher tier horses don't get re-rolls because they're already usually top performers. So I think overall, like the balance is really impressive. Like you can choose to go the budget way earlier on and make more bets and make your money off of picking the right horses. Or conversely, you can choose to have the thoroughbred horses, um, hopefully winning earlier on, uh, in the race and having that advantage that way. So there's a couple of different approaches and it doesn't ever feel like one way is necessarily better or worse than another. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, well, we- and you kind of alluded to this, and I, I'm not—I don't think I mentioned this in the rules, but there is an, an advantage of being on the inside part of the track, and it costs you an extra point of movement to move diagonally inside. <clears throat> um, and then once you're on the turn, you're not allowed to shift inside to cut people off or anything. But the mm-hmm. the inside track around the turns have one additional space the further outward you go, so it it really behooves players to move into the inside, mm-hmm. um, right? And you know, as Thomas was saying, you you may or may not be able to do that if horses are blocking you you can't just move through a horse you have to navigate around them um so you you want to use those patience tokens effectively um but yeah i mean really really interesting very very small design design decisions that really impact the the, the pace i of the game. i loved the use of lanes in this yes. mm-hmm. and it yeah. was it, you felt so bad when you were on the outside of the lane which is exactly how you feel you know, if you're at the race, like there's so many things that I think just 
translate really well to that probably that feeling I imagine of watching a horse race, right? You yeah. you place your bets, you buy your tickets, and then you you walk up to the railing and you see your horse in the outside <laughs> lane and you go, damn it! You know, you're, you're just furious about the, the placement Over of your nothing. horse. Why? Oh, Why did you place there? Yeah. And then it's because it's random. That's you know that's that's it's, the way it is. Actually, is that random, Jeff? Is I don't that, remember. I, I I can't remember if that is actually random or not. I don't know. If the horse placement is random. Is random okay. in real life? Yeah. Oh, sorry. In real life. In real life. I want I want to say in real life it might have to do with the um, odds order, but I'm not sure. Um, I'd have to look that back up. I I do think I do remember that there have been times where I've. I recall people being upset with their horse placement. <laughs> I, I mean, it's very no! minuscule at the very beginning, obviously. Um, right. But yeah, people, obviously horses do try to get on the inside track. I have seen horses that are way behind that end up, you know, rallying and coming back in the last, um, whatever they call it, mm-hmm. furlough or whatever the, the actual stretch right. is. But yeah, I mean, it, it, like, what's cool is that, again, the, the horses tend to be different Um depending on their personality or how they race. And that definitely shows in the game of how you try to run your horse. So right. I think that was really cool. Um, An- another thing that I really loved about this, and I'll, I'll, this will sort of be the last compliment that I give before we go on to reviews, I guess, or whatever you want to say, or if any other anyone has any other input. I loved how, because of the, of the implementation of the betting mechanic and the fact that you own so many horses, there are so many ways to say interested in this game, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even if all of your horses got disqualified because you were getting risky and rolling those green ones and you you know, you got your hand slapped <laughs> for it, you can still have money riding on other people's horses. Yeah. I was I was ecstatic when Garrett's horse jumped out to that massive lead because yeah. I had $400 yeah. riding on yeah. him. So there's so many ways that you can diversify your your investment in the game and you can have uh, you, you, a horse still in this race, you know, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, lack of a, yeah. for quite literally, because you have, you can be excited when someone, when your horse is doing well, even though if it doesn't belong to you, but then you can also feel the pain when, uh, when that, when that person rolls a one and then you're angry at the other. <laughs> Why'd you roll a green? Uh, you're so you a green? What are you you're doing? doing so good. Why'd you ride the horse so hard? <laughs> yeah, actually, so. something happened um, where I I owned the Man of War, which had the best odds. I was also in the first position, but Garrett's horse raced off, like had me beat by ten paces and got disqualified. And then in my mind, I, and I was like right behind him at some point. I caught up, and in my mind, I was like, I'll probably win. But what are the odds that I also roll a one? <laughs> <laughs> one and six, baby. And then I and then I rolled it, and he got disqualified. I'm like, well, yeah, but he just rolled one. Yeah. So the fallacy is there but i mean it it does i did feel really competitive i was like i want to also streak out ahead of everybody else to ensure a victory i mean i have the better horse here i should i should win what's a little bit of cheating on one roll and i just kept pushing the envelope and obviously i got bit but it was a lot of fun i I do think that you know um player engagement is super important when it comes to something like this and uh where you know you you kind of own multiple pieces of the game and i think think it's just really well done in that aspect before we jump into reviews, I do want to quickly take a moment. Just we don't we don't often have follow up time with our with our creators, our designers. Um, Scott, unfortunately, like we said, did not fund his dream of high roller horse racing, but he is selling this game. He has converted his garage to a little makeshift uh, <laughs> makeshift manufacturing. Uh, 
plant. I don't know if it's a plant, but manufacturing garage for for his game. Um, and he is selling copies of it uh, over at his Weebly. Um, that's highrollerhorseracing.weebly.com. And you, you can still pick up a handmade copy. A little bit more expensive now because he's putting it together himself. But, um, you know, good on him for, for still trying to get this out to to the people that, that did try to back it. A lot of times when you see failed Kickstarters, you know, mm-hmm. it's just whatever. They give, give up, up or yeah. they try yeah. to re, re-kickstart it four or five times to, to more failure. Um, so he is putting this together, and and I would encourage people to go check that out if, if they would be interested in, uh, in checking something like this out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a it's a really it's a really unique game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I I think this might. I have not played that many racing games. Uh. I know there are quite a few racing games. There's like a like a biking game, a bicycle game. I I haven't played those, but I think this works really well, really well as a racing game because it's not just racing. It's betting. It's it's purchasing. It's uh, you know, resource management as well. If you're looking at the money, sort of, mm-hmm. and like trying to figure out because it's chips. also your victory yeah. points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. There's so many working pieces to this, um, so I hope I hope uh, if you guys are interested in it, you will uh, you will pick it up because this guy he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's really into the mechanics, and uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. You know, he, he can't yeah. he can't help it if he's not a marketing whiz like, uh, <laughs> like Jeff, boys. Uh, like my like like. <laughs> no, it's but it, he's it's it's a really cool thing. But let's see the, the, if. We don't really have reviews because it wasn't released, but what we do have are some comments, some encouraging comments. I think that we could probably read from the Kickstarter from people who do still want to purchase the game. Can we can we pull a couple of those up, Garrett? That are I, yeah, uh, I've got a couple here. We we do have Mister uh, David Christopher. Um, he commented nine months ago. Backer number fifty here. Love a good horse racing game. Good luck with the campaign, Scott. <laughs> And then the next day he Love says, a good How horse good? racing. How many horse racing games are there? <laughs> next, next. There, there are there actually are other horse racing games, not any that combine. I, at least that I recall that combine all three of these mechanics in them. But anyways, uh, a, a day later he says, "How can we help promote this game? Doesn't look like it'll fun without spreading the word." Scott then uh, gives the Facebook link, says, "You know, please share with your friends." couple days pass by david christopher says scott any thoughts of pumping some more advertising into the game only way i heard or seen this game was from an ad on bgg i bet if you could get some decent ad space on there over the next 14 days you'd be able to find a couple hundred back what a whiz what a what a genius who did scott scott says advertising the saddest comment scott says well i'm currently running paid advertising campaigns on bgg casual game insider and facebook and my budget is maxed out unfortunately thanks for keeping up the dialogue here um (laughs) a few days later scott or david says scott it doesn't look like we're wanting to get there do you have any plans after the kickstarter to attempt to publish the game or perhaps another kickstarter in the future um, and this is, I, I believe this is what encourages Scott to run the small batch version of the game from well, there his you go. I've got an alternate, uh, explanation. <laughs> I think Scott and David are the same person and Scott is <laughs> trying to drum up interest as his person, David. And he he's realized lobbing those softballs. Yeah, he, what's the, what's the equestrian equivalent of, of lobbing softballs? I don't, up? I don't know, but it's a plant, you know, he's just like trying to get people <laughs> interested in this website. Cause he needs, he knows he needs to pivot, but no, it's but like re- that guy in the infomercial is standing by the salesman going now there's no way that this thing <laughs> possibly make my life a little bit easier really four-wheel drive <laughs> like, okay I guess. now what about our guests that live in the suburbs can they get free shipping as well <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely can scott um 
So, so, uh, but a lot of people are excited about this game, and a lot of comments are people like hoping that they can still get their hands on it and talking to it through the process. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and give our reviews then. Um, I can, I can start us off. I, I think it's pretty obvious where I'm lying, where, where I'm sort of leaning on this game here. Uh, it is very obscure. I did not think I was going to enjoy it, especially while I was reading the rules. Uh, if <laughs> There is a way if if I if we could just get in there with like a red pen and say cut this cut this cut this, here's here's all you have to do to simplify the process for for the pitch like on on like the the shortened abridged version of your rules which would should definitely be on the back or like leading for the Kickstarter it should be buy your horse make your bets take your places and race. Like that's it. Boom. Like that should be the 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 big hit is because those are the phases of the game. It's the summation of all the moving parts together. But instead, you look at the you look at the rule book and you look at the Kickstarter page and it's charts and it's paragraphs. I think even on All Rise on the back of our box, we have three P's and that summarizes the game. So I yeah. mean, if they can just condense it down, if you can condense it down in some memorable you know highlights, yes. I think that would be really useful. Yeah, that's the only critique that I really have, though, because once we started playing the game and we we were having a blast, especially during the racing portion, Mm -hmm. I think this game is really, really good. Uh, He was trying to sell it on Kickstarter for $35. If it was still that price, that is an excellent price for a game like this, especially something that plays as quickly and is probably easy to teach us. You just got to trim up those rule book for me. So I would give this a a 7.5 out of 10. Awesome. I'll jump in here. I think, you know, as far as the theme goes, it it really hits. Um, giving you the feel of gambling, <laughs> pushing, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pushing your luck on, you know, not only the on the money aspect of it, but rolling the die, pushing for that green die to get, you know, mm-hmm. just a couple more, just one more space out of your horse, uh, at the risk of getting completely disqualified is is brilliant. Um, Great line to tote. A lot of really elegant mechanics as far as um, the inside track goes, um, the reroll tokens, the the patience of the horse, the stamina versus speed. Um, some really cool stuff there. I too, I mean, I I feel like I have to take off more points for that rule book. That rule book, I mean, that pushes people away. That people do not want to see that. Um, and honestly. You don't even have to clean it up that much. You just don't advertise it on your Kickstarter. Like you just don't push. The, you don't make that you one make of the headline graphics. Yeah, yeah. But the, he puts the tables these like um, these payout tables on there. You you don't need them. You just you just don't show those. Like you you all. We didn't look at them until the end of the game when we were figuring it out. And they're simple to figure out, but they are a eyesore to look out uh, to look at. So um, just keep those hidden. Take them off the page of the Kickstarter. Um, that's the, I mean, I, I think we're all echoing the same thing, but that's the best advice I can give you. Uh, one other thing I do want to mention, he says it's 45 minute playtime actually on the Kickstarter. I, I, we got through that in 45 minutes on our very first playthrough. So I think that is, if anything, a little bit of an overestimate. I think you can probably knock this out in about 25, 30 minutes once people know how to play. Um, and it says for four to eight, four to eight players, we played with three, which he says you can do. You're just going to have a little bit inflated horse bidding. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think I think probably I, I think eight would be too much. I don't I, I liked having multiple horses and multiple multiple avenues, um, and having one player per horse maybe a little bit I don't know. 
I, I don't think I would like that as much. So I, I actually think the three, four, five player count is, is probably the sweet spot there. So, um, but totally agree. It's a great, you know, it's a very niche game that you could pull out, feel like you're gambling and get it done quick. Um, everybody's having a good time rolling die. It's super simple to actually explain despite what the rules kind of, uh, lead you to believe. Um, I'm going to give this game an eight. Nice. Yeah, I think I'm going to echo a lot of the sentiments that you guys have. Um, like, it's a com- very, very complete game. I think in terms of, especially for an indie game, to go as a solo act and go on and tackle some complex mechanics, make sure all the pieces fit and work, I think is really, really commendable. Um, and again, we felt pretty engaged throughout all phases of the game. I think, I mean, even just bidding for horses, uh, there was a little bit of, you know, uh, Meta gaming in between, where Garrett would bid fair pro- or bid up the price and not want it, and I, I think I did the same thing too. And Thomas even said, "Why are you bidding for this horse? You won't be able to afford any bids." And because <laughs> I don't want you to. And I was money. like, "I don't want it." That's all. <laughs> and so I, you know, I think like like kudos to him. Like it really, I, it's not a full immersion into each individual part of horse racing, but it really gives you a high level snapshot of everything. It makes you feel like every little part is you're trying to gain these small advantages throughout um whether it's trying to roll the green die over the white whether it's trying to bid on a horse that you think is going to win uh whether it's just trying to jockey for without sorry for the pun but jockey for position within the game um and so all that feels you know well within theme and makes you feel like you're not sure if you're going to hit it big or you're going to um lose out completely if that one rolls out and i think no matter how many times it came up every time that green die rolled a one all of us felt the same like wave of I guess, distraught that that horse is out usually. So, I mean, kudos him. Great job on that. I, I have to agree with Garrett in terms of the rule book. I mean, there was a lot of confusion into how the game is played. I think it's, I, I'm not sure how I want to rate that though. We don't usually, at least I don't usually rate the game depending on the rule book. I rate it how it plays. Um, not me. Yeah, Garrett's a rule book guy. I, I will say the components are gorgeous. They're beautiful. Um, I guess maybe you can say rule books are included in there, so I'd have to dock some points for that. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy the game. Uh, I'm going to give it a little bit lower than these guys. I'm going to give it a 7. Awesome. It's funny you say that, uh, Jeff, before I give the RDG boys average. The only comment on their Board Game Geek page is about the blandness of the track design. Um, so just, I, I don't I don't know why that's... <laughs> It should have hoof prints, hoof prints yeah. in it, Garrett. There should be little tiny horses. I don't know, horses. How, more, I don't, I don't know how, how much more realistic you can make a it dirt looks, track look. Yeah, it looks like a horse racing track. I'm not sure how else. Like, It doesn't look like my horse racing track, though. So I don't know what they want. Uh, you don't see the people in the crowd drinking mint juleps. Uh, not realistic at all. That brings the Rough Draft Boys average to a 7.5. Um, we don't have a board game geek average to go off of today, unfortunately. So we are the authority, really. We we yes. will be we setting the standard. bar. That's yeah. right. We are the front runner, or the what's the whatever the lead horse is called. The uh, I think front runners, right? Yeah, the front runner. Yeah, there we go. Sure. Uh, but yeah, really, uh, really solid game. Definitely pick it up. And uh, if the the person who designed this game ever. Uh, ever here's what i would love to do if if we ever had a chance to like if our label for some reason if the uh people who listen to this you know if the rough draft games became the new garrett's gonna love this i'm just gonna say it just to make a move garrett if if rough draft games became the new cards against humanity (laughs) oh my we would just i I would reach out to this guy and i'd be like hey i want to help publish your game because i think it's i think it's good 
Yeah. I think it's a solid. I think it's a solid game, and it would be. Uh, it would and be there's nothing more that Tom loves seeing than somebody losing big when they put out a lot of money down. That's there's nothing I love more than that. <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I don't understand why. Why us helping him would would be him losing big. <laughs> no, no, no. Just the, the, game, the, game, the game. The game again. Yeah. The game yeah. Again. It's. It'll be really funny. Even funnier if it happens. To <laughs> we're yeah. gonna buy it for five million dollars, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna bet big on this game. It's yeah. Not turn out. So. Oh no. <laughs> oh, Update guys. Well, we lost all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know one. Well, there's there's one thing that you can do that is a guaranteed not loss. You're not gonna lose. You're in fact, I I would go as far as say you're, this would make you a winner. No, no, no. But no, no, no. Not that far. Not that far. But you certainly okay. would not be a loser okay. if you decided to go and rate this podcast five stars on iTunes. We uh, we are so grateful for the individuals who have already done that. It really helps us out. It helps people find the show, find the content, and then hopefully we'll be able to. Uh, Bring them. They'll have a little taste, and then they'll they'll come for the main course. You know what I mean? They'll come in, and they'll they'll join the all rise community that we have here, and uh, all the other fun stuff that we're cooking at Rough Draft Games. But we appreciate those of you who have done, gone, and rated the show five stars. And if you haven't, please do so. But in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us and tell us your favorite race track drink, you can do so by hitting us up at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. Uh, if you want to tell us where to place all our bets or if you have any good game recommendations for us to play for the podcast, uh, we're specifically looking for print plays, anything on TTS, uh, anything that's easy to play over webcam, I would love to hear those. Shoot us an email, roughdraftgames at gmail.com, and we will get that game on the air. No holds barred. And lastly, if you want to check out some of the other stuff that we're working on, you can come on down to roughjaffgames.com. All of our different projects, all the different things that we um, have done, including other episodes of Roll and Move. Um, And also, if you want to put a $19 test bet on our game, All Rise, you can check us out on Backerkit. I think that should be live. Um, Yeah, that's a a $25 test bet. Oh, $25 test bet. Well, listen, the house house number moved, right? The odds have moved. And so now, (laughs) listen, the earlier you guys get in, the better the odds they are for you. And... Pretty soon it's gonna be 30, so you better you guys better come on down, put that money where your mouth is, and I guarantee you you'll win big. I mean, like you said, Jeff, you're printing money. Inflation is bound to happen sooner or later, so exactly. Uh, get in now, get in now, while you can still afford all rides. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Someone else take this out of here. I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> We've unfortunately, <laughs> we unfortunately put our chips on uh, Tom leading us out of there. But we're in the we're in the home stretch. You, you all bet the, same. the wrong horse. We bet Bunko. on the wrong horse, unfortunately. But you know we're gonna get out of here just fine. We're we're okay. We're we're still in there. Uh, I'm sorry, guys, sir. Your we'll horse is disqualified. Oh God, no, no. We're gonna have to put it down too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on the track.